0: You probably, if you look around, you will find something like this on a, pew, on a pew, on a chair next to you. If not right next to you, there will be one somewhere, and you will see on the top of it it says "Transformational Church Survey." We have been asking you for the last month or so to participate in our survey online. We really want you to do this. I, I checked this the other day; there were thirty-nine people who had completed the survey, and that's not good enough. There's no reason why we can't uh, have a much higher percentage than 39. Like I would like to see us have a hundred or so who would do this survey. And it, it takes it takes about 10 minutes. It used to take 15. I used to say, but now it only takes 10. <laughs> and if if nobody does it next week, it'll be four. <laughs> but it it takes about 10 or 15 minutes to fill this out. The instructions are at the bottom of the blue sheet. It's very easy. Stick this in your Bible, which I know you brought with you this morning. Or fold it up and stick it in your phone case or something and take it with you and please do this. Go home and do it this afternoon, do it tonight, whatever. It'll take you only a few minutes. We'd love to have you do that. The Transformational Church Survey, it's very easy and we're going to find out some things about our church if we take the time to do that. We have some things coming up like on December 16th we have a special neighborhood Christmas party that we're going to throw here at our building. We're inviting our neighborhood. You'll see it on the sign. We're asking people to come. And we're just going to share in a time of fellowship with our community. We're hoping that, that we'll have lots of people. Somebody said, we're going to have a thousand. That would be great. I hope that happens. Uh, I'll take half that. <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, we want our community to come and spend some time celebrating Christmas time with us, enjoying some fellowship with our church family. In order to get us ready for that, today, just for a few minutes, at 1230 in the fireside room, we're going to have... Uh, basically a training session helping people to know how to talk to the people who come to the Christmas party uh, Just in terms of building relationship with them saying hello. How are you? Tell me about yourself We're going to uh, have a chance to to be trained in that specifically at twelve thirty today So please stick around go to the fireside room There'll be some discussion about how we might better talk to those who are in our community who come to the Christmas event and then we will uh see what happens on the 16th. I think it's going to be a blessing for sure. We will have on Christmas Eve day on the Sunday of Christmas Eve, one service at 10 a.m. So please be uh, prepared for that 10 o'clock. There'll be no evening service that night. It's Christmas Eve all day that day. So we're going to have a special morning service at 10 o'clock that day and then uh, and then be with our families. So look forward to that. Last Sunday, if you were here to participate in the prayer time, then you know just how blessed you were in order to be here. It was wonderful. We had about sixty folks here who stayed and prayed for about an hour and fifteen minutes together. It was it was one of the richest blessings that I've had all year. A fantastic time of prayer. Uh, the gray cup was that night, it ended horribly. It was terrible. And so to have that prayer time take us through that awful occasion of the Grey Cup was just fantastic. So please, uh, on the next one is December 17th. We will also have it at 1 p.m. Uh, the 1 p.m. time really worked well for people. So we'll do 1 p.m. December 17th, another joint prayer session. And I hope you can stick around because if you do, you're going to be as blessed as we were with this last one. So please come. This morning, we are focusing specifically on the word of God, We're talking about scripture today and the role that scripture plays in our spiritual lives. And I wanted to start with what I think is a rich reading from the Psalms. I want you to notice that this, this text will talk about the, about the law, it talks about decrees and things, but it also talks about our hearts and our delight that is there when we read scripture together. And that's what we want to do. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees with my lips. I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, For the writer of this psalm, what they thought of when they thought of Word of God were the laws, the Mosaic laws specifically. And so they use this language of laws and decrees and uh, statutes. But I want you to notice how their heart is committed. They rejoice in the great riches that are there. They meditate they consider. They delight. Because when the word of God is not is read, it's, it's more than just read. It's experienced. Something happens to us when we're confronted with God's word. There's interaction there. There's interplay. There's relationship. Relationship even between us and this word. And so there's a spiritual experience that takes place clearly to read scripture is not just to read for the sake of doctrine it's not just for the sake of head knowledge there's something that happens between the heart and the spirit of the christian as they read scripture and god who has authored this word for us the Bible is the truest utterance that ever came by alphabetic letters from the soul of man, through which, as through a window divinely opened, all men can look into the stillness of eternity and discern in glimpses their far distant, long forgotten home. Thomas Carlyle. Man, reading scripture is different than just reading for the sake of doctrine or reading a set of rules. The Bible was not given for our transformation, or sorry, our information, but for our transformation, Dwight Moody said. And he's right. It's not just for information. It's not just for knowing things. It's so that we might be changed, and in fact, changed by the power of God working through the word. Some people like to read so many Bible chapters every day. I would not dissuade them from the practice. But I would rather lay my soul a soak in half a dozen verses all day than rinse my hand in several chapters. Oh, to be bathed in a text of scripture and to let it be sucked up into your very soul till it saturates your heart. Wow. Is that how you read the Bible? Is that what scripture means to you? When you memorize a verse and we put the little thing out on the wall for you, did you just memorize the verse? Did you just memorize some words? Or did something happen inside your heart, inside your soul? Was your life transformed? Was it changed by your experience of reading Scripture? Because it's supposed to be and can be an experience. And not just reading some words and putting into our heads some thoughts. Reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating but never swallowing. That's a great line. I like that. Reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating but never swallowing. I don't know who Anonymous is, but he was brilliant. That's a great line. And and we are sometimes like that. Where we we read it, we see the words, they go into our minds, they go through our mouths but we really don't take them into ourselves. And so we've been focusing on prayer and spirituality. Today, we want to just ask the question, what does it mean for us to read the Bible and how is this a spiritual act? What happens to us spiritually when we read scripture? Well, one of the reasons that scripture is so effective, the reason why it does impact us spiritually in the way it does is because of the kind of claims that the Bible makes for itself in terms of its The power that's behind it in terms of where these words came from. Like, for example, this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3. As for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures. There's a perspective. A perspective of holiness regarding these words which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. Inspired is the, is the word that we often see there. It's, they're aspirated. It's like God breathes out these words right from inside himself. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, there's a certain perspective then that one takes toward the Bible. You start to read scripture and it means something different to you than the newspaper does different than a blog, different than a novel. Because we would say that standing behind Scripture, coming to us as we read these words, is God's word. That God, through His Spirit, speaks to us and teaches us, and it is indeed so fruitful and profitable for us to read this. Spiritually profitable, so that we indeed are changed when we see these words. Look at this from Revelation chapter 1. This is the revelation from Jesus Christ, and the fact that it's revelation is itself worth stopping and just pondering. It's revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants what must soon take place. He made it by known by He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who testifies to everything He saw. That is the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God to Jesus to John to us, but it's revelatory. It's testimony. Word of God that comes to us. And I think similar claims could be made of all of Scripture, not just the book of Revelation, coming from God through the Spirit to us. Luke chapter 1. And this is a different kind of text, not focusing so much on the, the godness behind this as much as the carefulness with which Luke writes. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Notice that there are eyewitnesses here, servants who loved what Jesus had done, loved the word of God, and they passed these things down. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. So not only is Scripture inspired, but there were, as Luke says, those who wrote, who were eyewitnesses, those who passed things down, and those who carefully investigated things from the beginning and then passed those things on to us so that as Luke writes, he writes as somebody who wants to know that the things he writes are absolutely true. First John chapter one, verse four, or one through four, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Notice that the senses here are involved in what it is that the writer has experienced. And what he's saying is, is this was my experience of Jesus. This was my experience of the word of God. This is what happened to me which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He passes on to us, specifically in this case in written word, that which he's experienced concerning Jesus. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. I love the fact that John, who of course is the one who lays his head on the breast of Christ, the apostle whom Jesus says, whom John says in his book, was the apostle that was loved by Christ. This one keeps referencing his experience. He appeared to me. I heard him. I saw him. I touched him. I experienced him. What John is saying when he says that is let me let you let me let you know that my experience is real and true and authentic. This is what was true. As I experienced this, we proclaim to you then what we've seen and what we've heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. John's making a strong claim about experiencing Christ and then in a letter like this, passing on to us his experience so that we can have the same kind of experience of Christ. He wants us through the Bible to understand, to know and experience God. And I guess part of my question this morning is is that what happens to you? Like do you do you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit? Do you make yourself available to God so that when scripture is read by you that God speaks through that word, and you have that kind of spiritual experience where the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this word. Second Peter 1. We didn't follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter says, I was there. I experienced this. I saw this. These are not just stories that are concocted. I experienced this. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter says, I was there. I saw this. I heard this. I experienced this. You know, Peter is one who can say, I experienced the truth of the resurrection. I denied him at his crucifixion. But then I saw him raised from the dead. And when Peter says, I saw him raised from the dead, it seems to me as though that it's like a it's like a final argument to something. I saw this. I experienced this. In our culture, we're used to eyewitness testimony and what that means. In this case, Peter says, he was dead. I saw the Romans crucify him. And then I saw him raised after he had died. That's the testimony that he offers. And to me, that's powerful. It's meaningful. I can then be confident about the things that he writes, that I'm going to hear truth, that God is going to speak to me through the things that Peter says and communicate to me those truths that I need to hear, want to hear, And in fact, do here. And it tells me that I can go take my Bible. And I can sit down and have a real, authentic experience of God. The way that Peter had an experience of God. As the Spirit speaks through Peter's words to communicate to me these truths about who Jesus is. I'm so grateful for that. It's a rich blessing to me that that's the case. Now sometimes... We don't read the Bible like this. Sometimes we read the Bible as those who are looking for some kind of answer. Uh, When I say answer, I mean like an answer to a doctrinal question. In fact, we love to bicker about the things that are in the Bible. We love to kind of fight and and maybe even show off about the knowledge that we have. I don't know if you're like that. There are times in my life when I've been like that. Um, in fact, churches of Christ are are known well for that very thing. Like, I appreciate the fact that we are a fellowship who focuses on Scripture and on the Word of God. We we would say that we want to know it and to know it well. In fact, we make that a kind of virtue. And there's something really positive about that. I remember when I was uh, studying at Southern Methodist University, I was in a private class, just the professor and myself in a one-on-one situation. And he had done his PhD at Yale, fairly lofty university. We were talking about something and, and all of a sudden, just totally out of the blue, I, I didn't prompt this or anything. All of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, you know, he says, when I was at Yale, everybody knew that the Church of Christ guys knew Greek better than anybody else. And that's kind of cool. Like I felt pretty good about that. And when he said that, I thought, alright. We, you know, we study, we take this really seriously, even to the point where we learn the language well. Well, that's very positive, and that's very good, and I hope that can always be said about us. But I certainly hope that isn't the only experience of scripture that we ever have. I hope that all of our searching for what is right And true, what's doctrinally sound doesn't leave us somehow missing out on the experience of God that one can have in reading Scripture when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and transform us and change us. When He wants to have our hearts so connected with God's heart right in the midst of communicating His Word. I hope that's part of who we are in a big way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And this is the kind of searching, the searching heart, the searching spirit that I think God longs for us to have as we come to his word. And so I hope when we go to the word that we're not going there just for some information. Certainly not just to win some arguments. But instead we go to scripture to have an experience of God where we seek him. We were asking and knocking for him to come and be with us and in us. We looked at a passage very similar to this at the beginning. But it's, it's not the same one even though some of the words are similar. Teach me Lord the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. And again, there's this language of law and obedience and there's something very good about that. But at least for this morning, what I'm concerned about is whether or not our hearts end up being connected with God through His Word. Direct me in the path of your commands for there I find the light. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. And so the preservation of life, he says, happens as one experiences the word of God specifically in Scripture. I don't know if that happens for you. Like, I don't know if, if reading the Bible for you is a little bit of a hassle. It's just another one of those things that the preachers ask us to do. But I want to say, I do want you to do this. I do want you to read Scripture because I long for all of us to be able to have the kind of experience by reading Scripture that God wants us to have, where He wants to confront us with Himself, where His Spirit wants to be used through the Word to teach us and shape us and transform us and make us one with Him. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about praying for 15 minutes a day. We said we're going to pray through the months of November and December, 15 minutes a day. And I hope you're doing that. People have been coming and saying to me, whoa, this is a rich experience. I'm, I'm being greatly blessed by praying for 15 minutes a day. I want you to add five more minutes. But not specifically in prayer. I want you to add five minutes of Bible reading to the time that you're spending in prayer. So now it's 20 minutes. I want you to read five minutes worth of Scripture. You can do it before, you can do it after, you can do it in the middle, I don't care. But I hope that in the 15 minutes of prayer that you're spending each day, that you decide that you're going to spend some time in the Bible as well and read Scripture for five minutes. And I want you to read it for the experience of God that you're going to have in it. Because God will come to you. Through his word, he will come and he will confront you with himself in his word. Scripture is the voice of the spirit speaking into your heart. And so I hope that you do that. On January 7th, we're going to get together again and talk about what we've experienced over the months of November and December in our prayer times And I'm looking forward to the things that people share on January 7th, not just about the way that God has blessed them through these 15 minutes of day day, uh, of prayer, but the way in which God also is going to bless us in now reading our Bibles together for the month of December. It's early in the month of December. Start reading your Bible at least five minutes a day while you're praying for 15, and God is going to bless us richly. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us and help us to be the people you want us to be. God, I pray that as time goes on, that prayer will exemplify us. That reading your word and being confronted by it will exemplify us. That we will fully be all that you want us to be because we're reading scripture, because we're praying, because we're exercising our relationship with you. And Father, I pray that you would be present, that you'd be with us, right in the act. Send your spirit and make us alive in you. We pray through Jesus. Amen.